Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Hey, today we're beginning a new series for the month of February, and it's a series about money. It's a series about money. And here's what I know. I know that every person here has a different perspective, view, and really comfortability around the issue of money. And a lot of it has to do with the way you were brought up, the way money was viewed and treated in your home. So if, if money was a fun thing in your home, then it's probably fun for you now. If money was a tense topic or a, a toxic topic in your home, it probably still is for you now. Money's a really, really big deal. In fact, one of the things that we do as a church and as pastors is we, is we really encourage those who are gonna get married to go through premarital counseling. Anybody know what premarital counseling is? And, and that's when you begin to have a plan before you get married for how you're gonna handle challenges when they come, not if they come, but when they come. You know, statistically, the number one issue that people deal with in their marriage is the issue of money. And it's because every person has a different view and comfortability around the issue. So this is something really the church needs to talk about. Sometimes people ask the question, why does the church talk about money? Why are you, why are you bringing it up? This is my thing, it's kind of a private issue. And the reason that the church talks about money is very, very simple, because God talks a lot about money. And if God talks about it, the church needs to be talking about it. I want you to consider some pretty wild statistics when you look through scripture and you look through, through the Bible. What you will find is that 16 out of 38 of Jesus's parables deal with money in biblical stewardship, 16 of 38. In fact, you'll find that 25% of every word that Jesus said deals with money, possessions, or biblical stewardship. If you were to have conversations with me and you got to know me for a while and 25% of everything I said was about golf, and it's probably close, you would say, golf is all this guy talks about. 25%, that's a, that's a big deal. This one really, this really, surprised me that across all of the Bible, Old to New Testament, there's over 2,000 scriptures about money, stewardship, possessions, which is more than faith and prayer combined. So the Bible has a lot to say about money. And so as a church, we need to talk about it as well. But let's be clear. God doesn't talk a lot about money because he wants something from us. God talks about money and we need to talk about money because he wants something from for us. Now, and, and truly, I'm not your pastor, Pastor Jude, Pastor Becky, your pastors, but I am a pastor on staff. And this is the truth. We are compelled to speak on the issue of money. And it's not because we need something from you. We are compelled to speak on the issue of money because according to Hebrews, pastors have, are accountable to God to watch over the souls of God's people. And the reason why everybody here feels some kind of way about money is because money has a way of attaching itself to your soul. So if it deals with your soul, we need to talk about it. Amen? And so we're beginning a series today called Money, Master, or Mission. Everyone say Master, Master. or Mission. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is teaching here. And these are, the, these are the verses that really anchor this entire series together. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, verses 21 and 24. And this is what Jesus says. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
but you cannot serve both God and money. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, and you cannot serve two masters. You will either love one or hate the other, you will honor one or despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. I, I wanna tell you a story about the first year of, of me and Keola's marriage. If you don't know, I'm married to a beautiful woman. Her name is Keola. And, and uh, I'm, the, I'm the worship pastor here at City Church. I'm an elder, but I'm also, along with my wife, young adult pastors at the church as well. And so quick plug, if you're over the age of 18 and you wanna be a part of Collective Tonight, my wife is preaching. She's preaching tonight. And she's good, so come back here at 6.30 if you're over 18 or 6.15, I think is when we start. But in our first year of marriage, you know, first year of marriage is wild. Any newlyweds in the room today? Any newlyweds? And we've got a few, okay. Listen, if you're in your first few years of marriage, do not advise anybody on anything. You have no idea what's going on. You're just barely surviving. The first few years of marriage is nuts. It's wild. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but you're really, really stupid too. Like you're making all kinds of mistakes. And, and that's because you're trying to figure out how to not be selfish anymore. You're trying to consider someone else above the other person. It's, it's, it's full of mistakes and it's full of making up for mistakes, which is also a ton of fun. Uh, so the, the first year of marriage is wild. And so I, I remember specifically, there was a moment in our first year of marriage, a little about me, I'm a foodie, but not like in the cute <laughs> foodie way. I got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> I love food a little bit too much. And, and I'll give you a little insight into my mind. I'm not proud of this, but it's just the truth. Uh, I'm neurotic. And so like when I sit down in front of a steak or, or a dessert, I already know what my last bite is gonna be. I look at it and I know that's the part I'm gonna eat last. Why? Because I'm going to eat everything in order to lead to the grand finale. I know where it is. I know how I want it. And, and that's, that's the way I've been for a long time. It's the way I, I'm not changing. Stop trying to change me. That's who I am. We're in our first year of marriage and I'm eating this dessert and we're sitting on the couch and I'm like, you know what? I know where I'm going with this thing. I'm going to that bite. And so I start, I don't know my wife. And so I start asking her like, hey, would you like uh, a bite? And she's like, nah, I'm good. She's watching the movie. And I'm like, would you like, no, 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 would you like a bite? And I'm eating along. She's like, nah, seriously, I'm good. I'm going, I don't like where this is going because I think I know what's gonna happen. I asked her three or four more times, would you like a bite? She said, Steve, seriously, I'm good. And so she's just doing her own thing. She's not trying to do this, but here I am. I'm about to take this last bite. I'm so excited about it. And right as I'm about to eat it, she just reaches over and goes, actually, can I have a bite? And I turned to her and I said, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? You know I'm working towards the last bite. And her fair, you know, she didn't know it was the last bite. She wasn't paying attention. And so I said, you would ask for the last bite, wouldn't you? She goes, you know what? Fine, if it's that big of a deal, then you can have the last bite. And I'm like, well, I'm not gonna be the husband that says no to his wife over his last bite. Now you're putting me in a really difficult position here right now. Long story made short, we didn't talk for three days. That's... <laughs> That's, that's what you do in your first year of marriage. You got no idea what you're doing. And so over those three days of not talking and not sleeping together, I had a lot to think about you know, in that time. And, and here's what I realized, that what had upset Keola was not her desire for the dessert, but it's her desire for priority in my heart. And in that moment, I was, I was showing the priority of my heart was that last bite. And so I made a decision in that moment, and it still holds true today. You can ask my wife, she tell you, from now on for the rest of our marriage together, she gets whatever bite she asks for, no matter what. Now, I don't always do it with the right heart, but it is a decision that I made. Let me, let me tell you why I made this decision. Because I didn't ever wanna have a repeat of what happened in that day, because I communicated something to her that I didn't ever wanna communicate to her again. 
And what I found is that when I, have, when I give her whatever bite she asks for, no matter what, it does two things. It communicates to her and it reminds me that she's the most important thing to me. So why does God talk about money? It's not because God wants our money. It's because God wants our heart. It just so happens that our, mon- our heart follows our money. And so that's why we are beginning a series today called Money, Master or Mission. Because here's the deal. If we want to follow the Lord with all of our heart, give him our best, honor him with everything that we have, here's the big idea for the series. Here's the thesis, ready for it? Money needs a mission or it will become a master. Money needs a mission or it will become a master. So what's the mission that our money needs to have? It's clear in scripture. And this is what we're gonna spend the next few weeks on. Number one, our money needs to be tithed. Our money needs to be tithed. Number two, our money needs, it involves an offering, bringing an offering to the Lord. Number three, it's charitable giving. It's giving unto others and meeting the needs of other people. And number four, It's kingdom investing. It's investing what God has given to you in order to see that the kingdom can be expanded in the earth. They're all biblical. They're all godly, but they're not all the same. They are distinguishable. And it's important that every believer and the church knows the difference between the tithe, the offering, charitable giving, and kingdom investing. Today, we're gonna talk about tithing. But I wanna, I wanna start here. Here's what I know. In the room right now, we have people in several different camps. You have those who have been tithing a long time. And what I really believe is that you're going to be encouraged today as you hear the word of the Lord and the promise that he gives those who tithe. There are those in the room today that do tithe, but it's kind of casual, it's here and there. I also believe that you're gonna be encouraged and challenged. And then there are those here today who have always kept God at an arm distance from your, from, from your finances. And there's a lot of reasons why. Maybe you were taught wrong or maybe somebody abused something in your life and here's your find yourself. I believe that you will be challenged by the word of God today. And, but this is a good thing. Every time you come to church, I believe that you should be encouraged and you should be challenged. Come on, someone say amen. We should be encouraged and we should be challenged. And so we're gonna talk about tithing today. I'm gonna answer three quick questions, but let's start with a biblical definition of what tithing is. This is what tithing is. Tithing is an act of obedience. Tithing, very simply, is returning to God what he says is his. So so this this might surprise some of you, but let me just clarify. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is not extravagant. Tithing is not blowing God's mind or anybody else's. Tithing is not giving to meet the needs of somebody else. Tithing is not sowing into the life of a missionary. Very, very clearly, tithing is returning to God as an obedience act, giving God what he says is his. Can I get somebody to say amen in the room today? So let's, let's start from this premise of what the tithe is, and now let's ask these questions. The first question is this, very simply, what is the tithe? What is the tithe? Well, let me, I'll, I'll break it down here and bring some scripture into it, but let's just start very simply. Tithing is the first 10% of your increase, and it's brought to the house of God. So it's the first 10% of your increase, and it's brought and it's distributed through the house of the Lord. Exodus 23, verse 19. We're gonna bring it up on the screen. You can turn to it in your Bibles if you want to. But this is what it says. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil 
to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the best, bring the first of the first fruits of your soil, of your increase, of your income, of your expansion, and you bring it to the house of the Lord your God. So God defines tithing not just as 10%, but God defines tithing as the first 10% of your increase. And, and I, I stole this from someone else. And so you maybe you've already seen this before, but I just want to give you a visual to help you understand really what God is saying here. So let's just say it's the first of the month and I've gotten my paycheck and I have cashed it and I got $10. And someone say, Ooh, that's amazing. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is not 1934 and this is not going to last me very long. And also I live in Southern California and this is, you know, the tip at uh, Pete's coffee, you know, later today. <laughs> But $10, and so I've, I've cashed the first of the month and I need to begin to tell my money what to do. Otherwise I will wonder where it went, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? You gotta tell your money what to do. Otherwise you're gonna wonder where it went. So I got my money. I'm like, all right, fantastic. Payday is here. And so, you know, I need to keep a roof over my kids' heads. So that's being a good dad. So here's uh, the mortgage payment and I need to put gas in the cars and that's actually gonna take $2. So we're gonna go ahead and do that. And then gas bill at my house used to be a dollar. Now it's $2. What is going on with the gas bill at the house, right? And then also I have a daddy-daughter dance coming up this week. So I got to get the girls a couple dresses and then I got the kids activities. And then my wife wants to go out on a date. I got to take my wife out on a date, you know, where she can eat my dessert. And, and, then, and, then, and then, you know, also we really want to go on vacation this summer. So I got to set a little bit away so we can go on vacation. And wouldn't you know it, I have some left over I can give to God and it's 10%. So God is, is, is happy. God is pleased. Here's the problem. I didn't tithe in that moment. Because tithing really isn't just determined by how much we gave. And that's very easy. How much is 10% of, of 10? It's one. But tithing is which $1 did you give to the Lord? Tithing is the first 10% of what God has given to you. And this is, this comes, this is an aspect of a principle known as the principle of the firstborn. And I'll explain a little bit more of that later. But the reason God requires the first 10% is because that's the one that requires faith. You see, if I've, if I've paid all of my bills and I recognize that there's something left over, I'm not trusting God, I'm just not being selfish. But when I give to God first, I'm communicating to him and I'm reminding myself that I trust him to meet my needs with what remains left over. You see, if I give God my first 10%, then I'm giving him my best. If I give God my last 10%, I'm giving him what's left. And here's kind of the gut punch, but I think it's a good gut punch that if what I've brought to God is not my first 10%, then I didn't give God a tithe, I gave him a tip. Hey God, I had a good month and everything was taken care of and I just wanted to say thanks. So just, you know, go ahead and buy yourself something nice. Here's the thing, God doesn't need a tip. God doesn't need anything. You know what? I need the faith that it builds in me and the blessing that it places on me when I trust God and I honor him and I put him first in my finances. There's a bigger amen for that one this morning. Tithing is giving God the first 10%. And it's not to the TV minister, and it's not to the missionary, and it's not to the building project, it's not to the charity. We're gonna get there in the next few weeks, all very important things. But the tithe is brought to the house of the Lord because he's our provider. Someone say amen. amen. 
This is also important to know. Tithing is not a law. Tithing is a principle. Now, it's important to understand because you've probably heard, listen, the tithe, that's Old Testament. We're in New Testament now. That's not required. It's irrelevant. Now, first I would say, if you go to Matthew 26, Jesus' own words say, hey, it's a good thing that you tithe. But this is really what's important for the believer. That's, that's you and me. That's those who put their faith in Jesus. Our motivation and our perspective on why we tithe doesn't come from an Old Testament law that Moses introduced. Our tithing comes from a principle that we see with the father of our faith, Abraham, when in Genesis 14, out of gratitude and out of worship, he offered 10% of his increase as an act of worship and obedience unto the Lord. You see, the difference between law and principle is everything for the believer who tithes. Because when we see the, the, the tithe as a law, we will give what's necessary. When we understand that the tithe is a principle, we will give readily and with thankfulness. You see, when I see tithe as a law, I recognize that this is something I have to do. But when I know that tithing is a principle, I'll recognize and get excited that it's something I get to do. You see, laws always limit while principles produce. And if I think that tithing is a law in my life, then I will think that God is limiting my life. He's limiting my finances. He's limiting my joy. He's limiting my opportunities because it's a law. But when I begin to recognize that tithing is actually an unchanging principle from an unchanging God, what I will recognize is that it's actually exciting. It's actually honor. It's actually a privilege to be able to put something into the hands of the Lord because it is now producing something in me. It's not limiting me. It's promoting me. It's doing a work of God in me that can only happen when I put something in the hands of the Lord. Tithing is not a law. This is a principle. And if it's a principle, that means it produces something. What does tithing produce? That's the second question I want to answer this morning. What does tithing do in my life? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I'll give you a second to turn there in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10, it says this, honor. Everyone say the word honor. honor. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, there's that tithe, of all of your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Very simply, tithing does two things that shows us in the scripture. Tithing reveals and tithing redeems. Let's start with that first thing. Tithing reveals what's in me. When I tithe, it is revealing something that's within me. It reveals the priority of my heart. It reveals what I truly honor in my life. That's why Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Why? Because it's revealing something in you. That word honor is a hefty, heavy word. And I'm serious because it literally means hefty and heavy. That's what that word honor means. What he's saying is when you honor the Lord, you are treating him as hefty. You're treating him and viewing him as weighty, as substantial, as significant. When we bring our wealth and we honor the Lord with our wealth, what we are doing is we are ascribing to him and we are communicating to him and we're reminding ourselves that God is significant. God is weighty. God is important. God is not something I throw away. God is something that is preeminent in my life. 
And so the question should be asked for every believer. Do I want to show God how much he means to me? Do I want to communicate to God how thankful I am? Do I want to show him my heart of gratitude? Do I want to point out to him? Do I want him to see? Do I want him to feel just what he means to me? Because if that's what I want him to experience for me, if that's what I want to communicate to him, it cannot just be with my words. It cannot just be with my attendance. It cannot just be with an outward action. It must have substance to it. Matthew chapter 15, verse eight. Jesus is talking about this very thing. He said, these people honor, there's that word honor. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, we're all guilty of this and we have been guilty of this at some point in our life where we, we sing songs and we pray prayers like, God, you're everything. God, you're the most important. God, I love you. God, you're, you're moving. God, you're my first love. God, I, I throw up my hands with a, with a praise to you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. God, you're worthy of it all. And we, we have these, and there's these moments of worship where truly I know that hearts are moving, that hearts are being lifted. You're being reminded of the goodness of God and your desire is to respond and your desire is to ascribe and your desire is to give it back. And we say all these things, God, you're worthy. You're so worthy. But yet we hold on to our pockets and our money with clenched fists and say, God, you're worthy of it all except for that thing. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you cannot honor God with your, with your words, but then tell him he has to stay out of your finances. Proverbs 3 says you honor God one way, and it's with your wealth. Matthew 6 says where your wealth is, that's where your heart is. That's why Jesus says, look, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts aren't with me because your wealth isn't with me. And I'm not asking for everything, but I am commanding one thing. And that's the tithe. And it's a revealer of your heart. It reveals what's in you. Now, I, I wanna be really, really clear in this. No matter how much money you give, no matter how consistently you tithe, it is never gonna be enough to earn God's love. But it's not supposed to. Because there's nothing that we can do to earn the love of God. What does it say in Romans 8? It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning that there's nothing you could do to ever move the needle of God's love. If you tithe the rest of your life or you never tithe again, God loves you just the same. Tithing is not something to get God's love. Tithing is the way we show God that we love Him. It's the way we put money behind our words. It's the way we say, God, it's not just a, a casual throwing of the hands. It's not just a flippant word that I throw out of my mouth. No, God, when I say I love you, I mean it. And when I say you're valuable, I mean it. And when I say that you're worth something in my life, I can prove it because I've honored you with my wealth. It reveals something in us. But it doesn't just reveal something in us. Number two, tithing redeems what remains with us. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Everyone say, then. Amen. It says, when you honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. What it doesn't say is when that payday comes in, when the lottery is finally won, when that dead relative that you didn't like leaves you some money, that's when your barns flow over and that's when you can begin to honor God with your wealth. No, 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 it says when you honor God with the first fruits, it's then that I will pour out my new blessing on you. Why? Because when one thing has been given, the next thing can be redeemed. 
What I love is that God is not saying, when you give me a bunch, I'll give you a lot. God is not actually putting a mount on anything that we're supposed to give us. He's putting a portion. He's putting a percentage. He's saying, God, no matter, no matter what you have, no matter how big or how small the increase, when you trust me, with the tithe. When you honor me with the first fruits, no matter if that was a small percentage, I will pour out a big percentage on you. Why? Because it's been redeemed. Remember that principle of the firstborn I mentioned a moment ago. Here's this idea in scripture, according to Jewish law, when, whenever livestock was born, and that of course represents the wealth and the income of an agrarian culture at the time that it was written, if it was clean, that firstborn, that firstborn would have to be sacrificed unto the Lord. And when it was, the rest of the livestock would be fruitful and it would be redeemed and it would be blessed. This is the principle of the firstborn, that when the first is given unto the Lord, the rest is redeemed and blessed. And so if you're looking for a, uh, a uh, sticky statement today, because this is what our tithe does for our money, it would go like this. Uh, when God gets our first and best, the rest is blessed. You like that? Yeah. Listen, I preached Dr. Seuss in December. I'm still rhyming today. The anointing is still here. So just lean into it with me. When God gets my first and best, the rest is blessed. And this is so important because remember, the tithe is not a law. This is a principle. And it's an unchanging principle by an unchanging God. And I need to remember this because if the tithe is just a law, then I'll keep my 100% and I'll do the best I can with it. But if the tithe is a principle, and it is, then I wanna return it to God so that my 90% becomes the best that he can do with it. Come on, I don't want the best I can do with 100. I want the best that he can do with 90%. Because if God can feed 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves, then what can he do with the 90% that I still have? Come on, I don't want natural $100. I want supernatural $90. Because supernatural money will do more than I could ever do with what God has given me. And you know, I was talking last night with my wife and we were just considering the amount, because we're tithers. And listen, I'm not uncomfortable talking about tithing with you. You know why? Because I'm a tither. If I wasn't tithing, I'd be very uncomfortable right now because I'd be a fraud. But I've learned to trust God. And I've learned to put God first with my money. And I've learned to not just ascribe great things to God with my words, but hide things from him in my pockets. And I've learned what it means to trust God to do with more than what I could ever do with my own. And we began to just reflect last night. Do you remember the time that we had to make a choice between trusting God with that 10% and buying new clothes for our kids? Do you remember the time that we had to tr between, trust between giving God the 10% and whether or not we could host people for Thanksgiving and we already told him we're doing it? What do we do in this moment? And we remember time after time after time after time that God has been faithful to do more with what was left than what I could ever do ahead of time. But we were talking about that and while it was encouraging me, I, I really felt the Lord say, don't share all of those stories with everybody because while it's true that the tithe redeems, let's not get away from the fact that if God never did another thing for me, he would still be worth the tithe and the 10%. I don't give to get, I give to honor. I don't give to receive, I give to show God that he's already done enough. But God cannot be outgiven. And when God sets up a principle in the earth and he sets up a principle in the universe, you better believe it works every time. Tithing honors God. It reveals his, the position that he has in my heart and then it redeems what remains with me. The last question I wanna answer this morning really is why I tithe. I wanna tell you why I tithe. 
And as I've prepared, even for this message, I prayed, God, I pray that, that your word would come alive to people. God, I pray that you would bring revelation where it wouldn't just be information, but it would actually transform inside of them and begin to reveal to your church who you really are. I pray that, that, that our church would begin to learn, would begin to, to move and mature in the things of the Lord. I pray that, that, that every one of us would begin to learn what it means to be a real steward of what it is that God gave us. But the more I prayed about it, I actually began to ask the Lord, Lord, I pray that through this word that you would begin to build the faith of your people and build a sense of expectation in our hearts. Because the fact is, is trusting God with your money, it's not an easy thing to do naturally. It's gonna require faith from you. But faith honors God. And it's also possible to give your tithe and have your heart not connected to it. And I think that that's, uh, you're, we're missing something. If when we tithe, we aren't feeling it. And if when we write that check or we push that button, we're not, we're not, we're not involved in it. Because see, my wife and I, we do reoccurring giving, but the danger of reoccurring giving is it can begin to happen on autopilot and you don't think about it. And I actually think there needs to be a consecrated moment every time we receive increase to go, God, I am consciously giving this to you. Why? Because when I consciously give something over to the Lord, it builds my faith, it honors him, and it creates a sense of expectation for what God is gonna do. I don't want to offer God something on autopilot. I don't wanna offer God something that I don't feel. I remember the, the, the King David of old, he says, I will not sacrifice something to my God, that which costs me nothing. I need to give God something that costs me something. I need to show God that he's worthy and that I honor him even in a place where I feel it. And so I can't give you all the reasons why you should tithe, but I wanna tell you all the reasons that I tithe. Because when I look through scripture and I begin to recognize that God is not after my money, he's after my heart and God isn't getting me to bless him. He's actually trying to position me in a place where he can bless me. When I give and when I tithe and when my wife and I write that check and we, and we see an increase and we bring it to the Lord, we're not just doing it flippantly. We're not doing it out of obligation. We're not doing it with a disdain. We're not doing it because it's a law. We're doing it because we recognize that God is doing something in us and we wanna be consciously aware of that. So I wanna, I want you can, uh, we're gonna bring them up on the screen. If you want, you can take pictures. I'm not gonna like preach them because we don't have time for that. But I wanna tell you the reasons why, why we tithe. Number one, because God tells us, but let me give you the other reasons. I tithe because it provides for God's house. And I wanna be about my father's business. I wanna build the only thing that God is building in the earth today. Because when everything else crumbles and falls, the house of the Lord will remain and I wanna be a part of building God's house. When I tithe, I am telling God that I trust him. Talk is cheap. Action is real. It tells God I trust him. Number three, I tithe because it reminds me that I am not my source. It reminds me that, that my boss is not my source. It reminds me that the government is not my source. Can I tell you, COVID was wild and we didn't really know what was gonna happen, but guess what I knew? I was gonna be taken care of because the government and the church and people are not my source, God is my source. And when I tithe, I remind myself that I didn't get this because I'm great. I got this because God's great. And God never stopped being great. God will never stop being great. And he is my source. I tithe because it creates a margin in my life for God to fill. I tithe because it connects my money to the kingdom of God. 
I love this one. I tithe because it gives my job eternal significance. This is powerful because sometimes we look at our place of employment and we think down upon it. And we look at our boss and we look at the, 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 the thing that we have done that God has given us in this season to do to create income. And we go, I'm not making any difference. I'm not pastoring people. I'm not teaching people. I'm not leading people. No, 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 no. Listen, if God has given you a way to bring in wealth, when you tithe to the house of the Lord, your money is being connected to an eternal significance. God can take anything that you do to build wealth. And when you turn it back to the Lord, it will live on forever. Eternal significance. I tithe because it transforms my money into seed. If a seed doesn't go into the ground, it dies. But if a seed goes into the ground, it produces a tree that produces fruit, that produces more seeds, that produces more. When I tithe, my money doesn't die in my pocket or die in my bank account or die in my belly. Dang, I love dessert. I really do. And that last bite. But when I tithe, it transforms my money into seed. I love this. This is a big one for me. When I tithe, it breaks greed off of my heart. Oof, this is so good. Greed will overcome and attack you so quick. But when I tithe, this is what I know. Not only is it breaking greed off my heart, but God is guarding my heart from becoming greedy and stingy and selfish and Lord over my own life. When I tithe, God sets up guard around my heart and keeps greed from attacking me. And then finally, when I tithe, it lets everything else in my life know that God is first. It communicates to the, to the, to, to the, to the bills. It communicates to your kids. It communicates to your spouse. It communicates to your hobbies. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of you are important, but not more important than God. I tithe because it communicates to everything else that God comes first in my life. You see, money is not a bad thing. But money, if not led well, actually becomes a burden instead of a blessing. You see, the, the, the money in itself is not evil, but our love for money actually becomes the root of all kinds of evil. You wanna, you wanna look at corruption in the world? All you gotta do is follow the money. That's right. Money, if not stewarded rightly, actually becomes the obstacle from preventing you from becoming all that God created you to be. Back to Matthew 6, where we started today. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You can't serve two masters. You have to pick one because they won't, they, they, they won't yield to one another. There can only be one master. And he says, you can't love God and money. When he says you can't love God and money, what he's actually speaking to is what's known as the spirit of mammon. And the spirit of mammon, very simply, is a spirit from the enemy that is sent for one purpose, to seek to destroy you by tempting you to place your trust in money rather than God. And this is a big deal. And there's a reason why Jesus isn't pulling any punches. He's being very, very clear. You have to give your money a mission. Otherwise, the spirit of mammon will become your master. I think it's amazing that the whole purpose of the spirit of mammon is to tempt us to put our trust in him rather than our trust in God. Because this thing that attacks us so closely actually has on the back of it, in God we trust. But the question begins to come, which God are you trusting in? Is it the God of the Bible? Is it the God of your source? Is it the God of creation? Or is it the God of the spirit of mammon who causes you to trust it more than you trust God? You see, money is a great tool, but it is an evil, evil leader. And if we do not give our money a mission, it will become a master. 
And so what's the mission? The mission is tithing, it's offering, it's giving unto others, it's investing in the kingdom of God, but it starts with the tithe. And when we trust God and when we begin to put our money on mission, the money that he provided to us through an employer, through good health, through the ability to work, through the ability to be creative and think, when we do that, it honors God, it protects our hearts, and it blesses our lives. I want to invite the keys to come up and join me. We're going to bring this morning to a close. But, but tithing is a big deal, and it's something that we need to really lean into. And I want to remind you that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God bringing this word this morning is not to shame, to guilt, or to expose, but it's to direct your heart in the way that will bless your life. You see, tithing is most felt directed on our money, but it's, it's not limited to our money. Tithing isn't just a money thing. Tithing actually is a living thing. It's a life thing. It's a relational thing. And let me show you what I mean. You see, God isn't asking or requiring us to tithe just out of nowhere. God is calling us to tithe with our money because it's something that he actually demonstrated for us himself. I keep talking about this principle of the firstborn, right? It's, it's this idea that what comes out first belongs to God, but, but really this is, this is the story of the church. This is the story of life. This is the story of God's great love. Because in Old Testament law, when a livestock was birthed and when there was a new livestock that came in, if that firstborn of the livestock was clean, it was sacrificed so that the rest of the livestock could be redeemed and be blessed. But if that firstborn was unclean, the only way for that livestock to be blessed was if they went and found a spotless lamb and that lamb would be sacrificed, not just to make the livestock clean, but that firstborn that was unclean. This is the story of the church. It's the story of humanity. Because you see, Adam was the firstborn among men and he was unclean. We know the story, he, he sinned and the rest of humanity followed suit being unclean. And we were lost and we were hurting and we were broken and we had no way out. But there came a spotless lamb, God's own son. And he came and he was sacrificed so that you and I who are unclean and have no ability to clean ourselves could be blessed and could be redeemed. You see, we were all born into different situations and we've all traversed different experiences in life. And some of us this morning are limping and some of us are bleeding and some of us have a big smile on our face, but it's just hiding the pain that's going on on the inside. Every one of us have different areas of challenge that we're carrying around with us. And we have all found ourselves in the same place. And according to Romans, that is we have all missed the mark. We've all been broken. We're all unclean. We've all fallen short. And there was no way out. We couldn't fix our brokenness. We couldn't clean up our mess. And we couldn't forgive the sin that so easily entangles us. But God sent a spotless lamb to be sacrificed and to be given, that the rest of the livestock, the rest of the herd, the rest of the people might be cleansed and redeemed and forgiven. 
In John chapter one, there's the story of John the Baptist who was the predecessor and the evangelist declaring that Jesus was on his way. And what did he say in verse 29? He looked up and he said, look, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was God's eternal firstborn son, the one who was clean, the one who was spotless, who saw a herd, who saw a people, who saw a humanity that was broken, that was unclean, that had no way to be redeemed, but if he came and was sacrificed in our place. You see, God does not just call us to tithe with our first and our best. He first tithes by giving his first and his best to us. Consider the Christmas story, the shepherds out in the field watching over their livestock. And suddenly in the sky appeared to them a messenger from the Lord that says, do not be afraid. Actually be of good cheer because I've got good news for you. The Father has sent to us a savior. The, fa the Father has given to us a child who's come to be born, to die, to be resurrected. That all of us who are broken and hurting and are messed up, that we might be redeemed. The tithe isn't just about our money. The tithe is the way we've been saved. The tithe is the way we're redeemed. The tithe is the way we can be close to God. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.